transition into our service presentation. All right. We have a wailing son, which is a concerned mom. <laughs> That's the most I ever heard him cry. <laughs> You're laughing. Is that not true? <laughs> he can get louder? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> We are in Romans chapter 12, so if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Romans chapter 12. I'm not going to read through. I read through it over and over and over again, where you have almost memorized it. We are all the way down. Well, let's talk about genuine love. It's not hypocritical love. Genuine love hates evil, we found in the text. Genuine love cleaves to that which is good. Genuine love is greater than familial love. Genuine love out-honors others. Genuine love is not lazy. Genuine love is zealous. It's diligent. Genuine love rejoices in hope. And we dealt with that passage last week. Rejoices in hope. And then it also, we spent much time on that. <clears throat> genuine love also endures affliction. It endures affliction. And then lastly, genuine love is devoted to prayer. We just touched on this last one last week and we're going to spend much more time on it this morning. Genuine love is devoted to prayer. What does that mean, devoted to prayer? Well, I hope this morning we can get a grasp of a little bit. And I'm sure sometimes messages, uh, you've heard the same thing over and over again. You know, it, 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 it tends to do that when you're in the text. It's the same book it's coming from. Amen? And so I'm sure you've heard multiple messages on prayer. And uh, I'm not going to give you anything new. It's just a reminder because let's just be honest, we're forgetful people. And uh, that's not always a good thing. So believers are to rejoice in hope. They're steadfast, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And realize that your toil is not in vain. We're working and serving the Lord on this earth. All of us are. In many aspects, in many different aspects. And everything that we do needs to be for the glory of the Lord. Whether it's digging a ditch out in the front yard or, or it's climbing a, a mountain to, to put a flag up. or Whatever it may be, I pray that we do it for God's glory and for His honor. Rejoicing in hope, enduring in affliction. The Bible says, but we do exalt in our tribulation, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God is poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is giving, given to us. And then it says in the next phrase, devotes themselves, devote themselves, genuine love devotes itself to prayer. Genuine love is devoted to prayer. The repetition of this theme demonstrates that prayer is central to the Christian life. Prayer is absolutely essential, is it not? Unfortunately, we are, at, uh, uh, we are so Americanized that if we want something, we just throw them a piece of plastic. Don't we? Man, I like that. Okay, here you go. There you go. There you go. And then at the end of the month, you pay it. Lord willing, you pay it all off. <laughs> but we tend to believe that plastic is much like prayer. But it's not. 
Now that plastic can be used for needs. Amen. And so in that sense, there is some similarity, but they are not simply synonymous. And we can't think of prayer as just put in and get out. It doesn't work that way. Those who pray must consciously and de deliberately set their minds and hearts to do so. So, the logic that is being brought out in this text is, so because we need to hope and endure, which we need to have hope in this hopeless world, and we need to endure as we are being tried day after day after day. By the way, we need to be careful of how we celebrate the decision by the Supreme Court. Very careful. Folks, the Supreme Court didn't say that abortion is immoral. Abortion is immoral. The Bible says that. The Supreme Court did not say that. The Supreme Court simply says that it's not the jurisdiction of the country to legalize it, in essence. It's the will of the people within each state. So, I'm ashamed in some senses of the celebration and the in-your-face that many Christians gave. It's not right. Our hope is not... If your hope's in the judicial system, you're toast. Our hope is in the Lord. And I pray that we humbly... I'm so thankful for the decision. I am. And as a Christian, we should be. And I praise the Lord... That Scott brought that up in the prayer. Praise the Lord for that. But folks, God wins in the end. That's what matters. And His will will be accomplished. And that's what we will celebrate. That was just an aside. I apologize. But... So because we need to hope and endure in all these trials, and by the way, trials are coming I, I, I was driving home from work 7 o'clock Friday night, coming through town. I was working way up in Big Fork. And uh, all these young ladies were out there picketing for the freedom to abort children. And I, I didn't understand because I had no idea what was going on because uh, I was in Big Fork. No cell service, right? It, it, it breaks my heart that people want to celebrate the freedom to slaughter the children. Now, to be open and honest, I think there is uh, biblical evidence and biblical proof that there are some instances where a lady is going to die. And we need to be sensitive and open biblically about those things. But this rickshawed, is that a right word? This rickshawed, this... Um, I can't come up with the word in my brain. But to freely, openly, and just in every case, abortion's right. It's just simply wrong, for sure. I think there is a case where the Bible says suicide's wrong also, and you knowingly, without that, are going to die. That's, that's an ethical issue that you need to deal with between you and your God. But that's not the issue at stake in this debate, usually. Although that's the one they always go to. Prayer, genuine love is devoted to prayer. The reason I brought those young ladies up, they need our prayer. They need the Lord. Their view of this world is depraved. Skewed. And they need the Lord. It is clear that 
we as believers will go through tribulations. There is a reason that we need a hope on this earth. Because of all the problems in this current world, the trials that are easily beset us, as a result (coughs) of living in a hopeless world and living in a tribulational world, not the tribulation, but tribulational, prayer usually becomes a prominent practice. I am sure if we went to the true believers during World War I and World War II, they spent much time on their, on their knees in prayer because of the horrific things that were going on. We fall into the same practice. When things go bad, we start praying. But it's unfortunate that it's only when things go bad or that we need something. Prayer is not to be a hit and miss proposition. Genuine love is absolutely, totally devoted to prayer. Devoted means literally to be strong towards something. It carries the idea of steadfast, unwavering, constantly in the mindset of of praying. MacArthur states it this way, the believer who has strength to persevere in trials, afflictions, Adversity and misfortune, sometimes even deprivation and destitution, will pray more than occasionally. He is correct. As a believer is renewing his mind, as he is being saturated in the text of Scripture, according to Revelation or Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, as we've seen, his recourse in all situations will be simply to rely on the Lord We will be devoted to communing with the Lord. The more we know Him, the more we love Him, the more we want to talk with Him. Amen. The more we lay our burdens, our feelings, our joys, our our adorations, all those things at the feet of Jesus Christ. What else can we do? All other avenues to find respite to find hope, to find joy, to find peace. All other avenues apart from God are weak, fickle, and will fail. Therefore, they are absolutely worthless. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. The Bible says, continually in prayer and in supplication, make your request be made known unto the Lord. Scripture is extremely clear and abundantly plentiful with this idea of prayer, this practice of prayer. Prayer is the greatest and most needful response of a true believer. Acts chapter 6, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me there. We will see how important it was to the Lord and to the apostles in Acts chapter 6. If you remember, the, uh, The church has now exploded because Acts chapter 2, verse 4, they were continually devoting themselves, the apostles will. This is right after this explosion of 3,000 people were saved. Quite the revival, amen? People were totally coming to the Lord and they loving the Lord. It was, the Holy Spirit was indwelling. They were continually devoting themselves to what? Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. That's how important it was to the disciples. But it was even more important as we find out in Acts chapter 6. Let's read verse 1 and find out what's going on. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, what does that mean? The disciples were increasing in number. Is that a sect of Christians that actually followed the Lord? Or was that all Christians? All Christians. That word disciple is dealing with all Christians. And to say it's not is a, is a, a false teaching of the text. I have other words, I'd rather not use them. 
But at this time, while the disciples were increasing, more and more people were coming to know the Lord as their Lord and Savior. A complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews. Now, what this is talking about is the people outside of Jerusalem were called Hellenistic Jews. They were, I will say it, Greekanized, if you will. Their culture was Greek. Their language was Greek. Everything was in the Orthodox Jewish mindset. Everything in their life was worldly. <laughs> but the reality was, even though they were, according to the uh, Pharisees, the legalists, they were worldly, they were born again. Amen. They loved the Lord. They were disciples. They were called Hellenistic Jews, those outside of Jerusalem proper, if you will. And then they were, so their complaint arose the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews. So we have two different types of Jews here. The native ones are the ones that hold to the true orthodoxy of Judaism is the idea. Because their widows, why, why was there a complaint? Why was there a conflict? Because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of the food. In other words, the, the widows weren't being taken care of. And by the way, these people were going through tribulation. Much. Because they had literally turned their back on their traditional Judaism and embraced Jesus Christ. Amen. That's exactly what was going on. And because of that, they were, they were outcasts, all of them. Whether they were Orthodox within their Jerusalem proper, or if they were Greekanized, all of them were being mistreated. All of them were being persecuted. They were being oppressed. And what was happening was the disciples were to be Oh, the ones taking care of them. Because these are new Christians. How many new Christians get up to the pulpit the next week and preach the Word of God? <laughs> Not many, if any, right? Doesn't happen. There needs to be growth, right? And so, they were doing all the ministry. By the way, I think this is a great text for a one-pastor system thinking that the pastor is going to be able to accomplish all that, is, that he is given by the church family. That is ridiculous. It won't work. A pastor is there to preach the Word. We'll find out, according to the disciples in this transitional book, what was talked about there. So they summoned the twelve. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples. I'm the congregation of what? Oh. It's kind of easy who they are, right? Who are the disciples? All the believers. Alright, so the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. In other words, there's a job to do to go out and minister to other people. There's a job to do to help other people. And we're doing it all, and we can't do it. We can't do this ministry, and that ministry, and that ministry, and that ministry, and then on top of all that, throw in the preaching of the Word. We, we simply can't do that. This is a Christian responsibility, not a pastor responsibility. How many understand what's going on? It's exactly what's being said here. So it is not desirable for us to neglect the Word. So in essence, the greatest ministry that they had been given to preach the Word was being taken away by doing all these other things. By the way, does measure of faith kind of fit into all of this? And your giftedness, in essence, as the text says, measure of faith? Absolutely. Therefore, brethren... Select among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to what? 
and to the ministry of the Word. I've been saying over and over again because the text is saying it. The things that gives you hope, the things that will encourage you, what, what is the foundational issue here? That hope is in prayer and Bible reading. Amen? Without prayer and the Word of God, there is no hope because we don't know Jesus. It was that important to the disciples that they gather people so they could take out the other tasks so that they could devote themselves to the prayer and to Bible, to the Word of God. In verse Galatians chapter 6, we'll get to more of these in just a second. Galatians chapter 6, it talks about praying for those in the believing community, contributing to the saints. We'll get to that in just a second. But uh, in prayer, there is a, how would I say it? There's a special word for that. There is a, a way, uh, there are instructions, there are demands that have to be met for prayer. How many understand that? There is something more than just being a Christian, if you will, to your prayer life. John 3, there's many of them. I'm going to give you some of them. John 9.31 is one of them. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a, what? Worshipper of God, and what does His will, God listens to Him. So it's not just a, if you will, a Christian that is living carnally at this moment, but it's certainly one that is worshiping God and doing His will. God listens to Him. John chapter 14 I have it written down here wrong. I'm sorry. It's actually John. Uh, I'm sorry. John 14:13. Let me start with that one. Then we'll go to John 15:7. The Bible says, "Whatever you ask in my, my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son." So, what is another requirement of prayer according to John chapter 14, verse 13? Ask in Jesus' name, right? In Jesus' name. Why? So that the Father may glorify the Son. Remember our hymn of the last month? Glorify the Son. Amen? Praise God for that. John chapter 15, verse 7 is another one. If you abide in Me and My words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. Is there a condition there for answered prayer? Absolutely. Another one is 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. Whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what He pleases. Another condition. 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence that we have toward Him. That if we ask anything, how? According to His will. According to His will, He hears us. Clearly, there are conditions. The New Testament gives us many conditions and gives us a fuller view of what is involved in effective prayer. Let's talk about the power of prayer. What can prayer do? Well, I'm going to give you a list By the way, there are many books out there concerning prayer, and you can find many of them. R.C. Sproul has a wonderful one. I'm using some of his information today, some of his organization. Let's put it that way. By prayer, Esau's heart was changed towards Jacob. Do you remember Jacob and Esau? What would have happened if Jacob would have come back to Esau the day after he faked him out? there'd probably be another Cain and Abel. Correct? (laughs) But Esau's heart was changed toward Jacob when they met finally again. 
Why? Because of prayer. By prayer, it says in Genesis 32, instead of, rost- instead of a hostile uh, uh, meeting, it was a friendly meeting. Exodus chapter 7 through 11 tells us that by prayer, the prayer of Moses, God brought the plagues upon Egypt and removed them again. That's some powerful prayer. Here's one found in Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10, Joshua made the what? He prayed that, Lord, save us. And what happened? The sun stood still. Are you kidding? I'd like to know what happened to the tides. The sun stood still. In Judges chapter 15, the man named Samson was ready to perish with thirst. And God brought, he prayed. And God brought out a hollow place for his sustenance. In Judges chapter 16, here's Samson, that godly man that he was. Samson recognized his sin, his guilt. He bowed his knees to the Lord and he pulled down the temple of Dagon on the Philistines so that those he killed as he died were more than all that he had killed in his life. That was by prayer. By prayer, Elijah held back the reins for three and a half years Then he prayed, and it caused to rain again. By the way, there was no Indian rain dance then. It was a prayer to the sovereign God, amen? Only God can do that. By prayer, Hezekiah, we talk about him a lot. Hezekiah prayed, And God sent an angel. Listen to this. He sent an angel and killed in one night 185,000 people in Sennacherib's army. Soldiers. 185,000 soldiers in one night by an angel. Is prayer powerful? Prayer to the God of the omnipotent, right? By prayer, Asa, God confounded the army of Zerah in Second Chronicles chapter 14. Folks, prayer is powerful. If you remember, how many of you like uh, pirate movies? Do you like pirate movies? Do you remember? They're, they're way back, you know, they're back during the, the colonization of England, you know, that time frame. I think, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think the dress is cool. I, I think the florals are unique <laughs> and interesting. And everybody dressed up most of the time, except the pirates, right? But, anyways, there, there was something culturally cool about that time. I want you to understand what I'm talking about. Well, one of the things that they are all looking for, does anybody remember? Okay, they were looking for gold. They're looking for the British ships that they could conquer and take the, take the bullion out of and they would bury it on Treasure Island, right? Uh, do you remember reading that book? <laughs> Anyways, all those things happened, but there's one thing that a lot of them not gold and money, but there was something that they wanted. The fountain of youth. Somewhere, that fountain of youth. That had the power to make us young again. Right? Listen, folks. None of that stuff exists. 
But the power that is talked about in those tales is nothing compared to the power of God, who is, by the way, your Father. Your Father. I remember being a young whipping, whippersnapper dork husband. Yesterday, right? <laughs> How many remember those days, gentlemen, when you thought you had the world by the tail and it had you? Totally ignorant, understanding about anything about marriage. And the first thing that happened is, wow, the electric went out or, or the water keeps leaking and we dial who? I need help. I don't know how to do this. What in the world? How do you do this? And it happened over and over and over again. How many remember those days as a father, your children contacting you, and as a child, you as a husband calling her him? How many remember those days? Because we need advice and we need help. Why? Because He's a lot smarter than I am. He's been around the block a few times. Well, compound that by infinity. That's who God is. Not only does He know how to take care of those things, He designed all those things. <laughs> and He doesn't need pipes to fill our garden with water the last two days. And He comes on it perfectly. And the sun to shine, to bring in the nutrients to the plant, to grow just so beautiful. We put it under those fake lights, that man-made, it's the green, spindly, fluorescent, almost green plants. How many know what I'm talking about? But as soon as you get them outside and get in the garden, all of a sudden they start turning deep, dark green. Why? Because God's light's so much better. It's so powerful. We have access to Him, folks. We have access to the omnipotent God. And half of us don't talk to Him every day. Some of us don't talk to Him unless something's wrong. What's wrong with us? Prayer is not magic. God is not, and I'm quoting here, God is not a celestial bellhop ready at our beck and call to satisfy our every whim. I think that's very well said. That is not who God is. In some cases, our prayers must involve travail of the soul and agony of the heart, such as Jesus Himself experienced in the Garden of Gethsemane. Here you have the God-man, Jesus Christ. Well, He's God and He's man, so what does He need to pray? He was continually in prayer with His Father. Continually. Not only was He in prayer, He was in agonizing prayer. Sweating blood from his forehead. Do you think prayer is important? Was Jesus Christ, did he have genuine love? What did that genuine love look like? He was devoted to prayer. Devoted to prayer. Sometimes the immature Christian suffers bitter disappointment. Not because God failed to keep his promises, but because some well-meaning Christian made promises for God that God Himself never authorized. I've heard it over and over from young people in the Pentecostal movement. I can't speak in tongues and I don't know what to do. I mean, literally, that's their cry. Well, someone told them that in order to be saved, you should speak in tongues. You need to speak in tongues. Well, God didn't say that. That's just an ex I'm not using it as a that's the great theology or anything like that. I'm using it as an example. The simple summaries Jesus gives are designed to encourage us to pray. The pattern is simple. Pray like this. Do you remember? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What is it? Keep saying it with me. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For what? For thine is the kingdom. Amen? 
and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's interesting that the pattern given to us of prayer involves the kingdom. The hope. Amen. What a, what, we could spend days on prayer. We truly could. <clears throat> These passages that we just went through shows us that there is more to prayer than just, hey, I'm a believer now. I can say whatever I want. I can name it and I can claim it. No, that's false theology also. It truly is. These passages that we went through reveal that there is more to receiving what we desire from God than mere asking. Trust in God is not enough. There must be proper reverence for God, obedience to His will, ongoing communion with Christ. The request must be made in accordance with the revealed will of God, like we just read, and in accordance, like we just said actually in the prayer, and in accordance with His nature and His character. The Bible encourages us to pray in Christ's name, in Jesus' name. The invoking of Jesus' name is not the magical incantation. Make sure you get that in there. That's not the issue. Amen. Its significance lies deeper. It's in the culture in which the Bible was written. A person's name indicates his attributes, his character. To ask for something in Jesus' name is not to add a phrase at the end of a prayer. It means that we believe that our request is directed to our great high priest, our intercessor. And only through him do we have access to God. We have seen that there are certain prerequisites we must follow to pray. If we ask anything, we must trust in God, knowing that our request is in accordance with the will of the Father and the nature and purpose of Christ. That's the idea. We must have a proper reverence for God as well as an assurance that we are being obedient to what He has revealed to us. We must maintain continuous communion, although it's going to be imperfect, with Christ after all prerequisites have been met, we may have confidence that our prayers will be answered. The crucial thing to notice is that if we meet these prerequisites, we will not ask for anything outside the will of God. Another reason our prayers are not always answered is, as we desired is given in James chapter 4, verse 3. The Bible says we are told that we don't have what we ask because we ask with what? Improper motives. Asking in prayer things that will allow us to preserve, preserve, or pursue wicked pleasures. God is not giving to, going to give us things that we would not use. I would, I would say it this way. Many Christians believe then that they should pray for a million dollars because that means that we're really good Christians. Do you know what? Most Christians couldn't handle a million dollars. They couldn't. Most, um, most of that money would be spent on wrong things. And it's probably not the will of the Lord. <clears throat> Nor is, he's not even, so he's not, going to use, he's not going to answer requests that will be misused, but he's also not going to answer requests made in ignorance. Um, do you ever pray to get somewhere quicker? Man, I pray that we get here fast enough only to realize that if you would have been quicker, you would have lost your life in an accident. How many know what I'm talking about? We don't know those things, but God does. Moses did that. In Exodus chapter 33, Here's, 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 here's Moses. Moses loved the Lord, by the way. He says, Lord, show me your face. I want to see your face. Please, he's praying. Please show me your face. Well, according to Raiders of the Lost Ark, 
Right? Did God answer the prayer of Moses that he could see God's face? No. He didn't answer that prayer. Do you know why? He says so. Imagine that. In verses 19 and 20, verse 18, he's asking to see his face. In verse 19 and 20 says, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim, proclaim before you the name, the name, my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But you cannot see my face. For man shall not see me and live. So I appreciate your love for me there, Moses, but you're praying in ignorance. Because if you saw my face, you would die. We many times pray in ignorance. And I will tell you, the less you are being renewed in your mind, the more ignorant your prayers are. Amen? As you know God, your prayers can be actually real prayers. Not just, could you, if God was like us, now praise the Lord, He's not. But if He was like us, listening to the prayers of His people, He'd be constantly, oh, 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 right? How many get that? Are you kidding? They don't know that. They, they don't know that. What? What? Praise the Lord, He's not like that, like, like us. Amen. And He's long-suffering. And He loves us dearly and sincerely. But man, we probably pray a lot of ignorant things. We truly do. God was doing Moses, by the way, a monumental favor by refusing to honor his prayer. If God had granted Moses his wish, it would have cost him his life. No man can see God and live. Moses should have rejoiced that God said no. There is a country song right along the same lines. How many know the country song I'm talking about? Unanswered prayers. And, and though I am not a big country western fan guy, that song has some theological merit. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. I will give you an example of one. So I had dated other ladies before my wife. <clears throat> I was engaged at one time to a lady. And one of my mentors, after I had... Um, broke our engagements off, and then I eventually was married to Mrs. Graff. Preta Peterson was her name. Preta Peterson. Yes. <laughs> this man came up to my father or mother, one of the two, and said, How do you say it? He said it something like, Tim traded in a Yugo. Or Corvette. <clears throat> now, that's unfair to that girl. I get it, and I'm not advocating that. What I am saying is, what we many times ask for is not the best. How many have seen the meme on Facebook? We have people, people in the 1800s say, what in the world are you talking about? Gibberish, <laughs> right? A meme on a Facebook and here's Christ, which we can't picture him, but okay, but here's Christ holding this colossal bear in the back his on his back. <clears throat> and he's asking the this little tiny girl for her little tiny bear, saying, Would you give it to me so I can give you something? What she doesn't know is that there's this huge bear back there that he wants to present her with. Some of the greatest gifts we have is God not answering our prayers for the little things. Even the song that we sing, um, I ask the Lord that I may know. 
we ask the Lord not realizing we're asking for trials and horrible things. Why? Because God wants our all to be glorifying to Him. And the only way that will come is in growth after growth after growth. And the only way that grows is renewing our mind. And the only way that we can renew our mind is being saturated in the Word of God. And when we're saturated in the Word of God, we are on our knees in humility to the sovereign and awesome God. Amen? That's all that works. Another reason that we fail to see the desired answer to our prayers is maybe because we are praying for things that we already have in Christ. John chapter 4, Jesus speaks with the woman at the well. He tells her that if she realized to whom she was speaking, she would have known what to request. Instead, she asked for what? What, what did Jesus ask her for? Water, right? And what did Jesus give her? Living water. I love the Word of God. If we really knew who God is and all that He has given us in Christ, our prayer lives would be far different from what they are today. So, I have been preaching for years. Love the Lord. Or, I'm sorry, know the Lord. As a result, you will, what? Love the Lord. I will tell you this. The more you study the Word, the more you will know Him. And you will recognize your prayers totally change. Do you remember as a kid, dear Lord, give me that huffy red with the ribbon on it and the card in the spokes bike. Do you remember that? Okay, it was Schwinn for some of you. Or the tricycle. I mean, we pray for those simple things. And we look back on that and we're like, I'm glad I'm not like that anymore. I don't pray for it. It's a Ford truck now. How infantile is that? Lord, I just need transportation to get down to this funeral to encourage this young lady. Is that different than give me this specific car that I really like? So why, I'm going to end this with the question, why do we pray? Why do we pray? Again, this is not exhaustive, but I hope there's lots of little nuggets there that are, yeah, amen, amen. Why do we pray? Well, <clears throat> some would say, Pastor, you, you believe in, 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 um, in uh, foreknowledge. Yeah, the Bible preaches it. It's not that hard. You believe in, what is, what's the other word? Predestination. Yeah, the Bible says that too. So why do you pray? If you believe that God has everything under control, why do you pray? So why do we pray? Now, by the way, that's an extreme form of, of Calvinism, but why do we pray? We pray because we're commanded to and because He is glorified when we pray. We pray because it prepares our heart for what we will receive in Him. We pray because much is accomplished by prayer. I praise the Lord for Mrs. LaPlante. She has more than once helped me remember. I asked a question last week in CEO where I said, hey, the question was, how do we deal with unsaved people in our family? What was Mrs. LaPlante's first reply? Pray. Pray. Why? You can, you can do as many jumping jacks as you want. God's going to change their heart. Amen? It's God's the one that's dealing with this. By the way, if you're trying to manipulate people, 
You're on the wrong track, and frankly, you're in the wrong church. We rely on God to work in the hearts of everybody. But I will tell you not, you will not love others if you don't first love God. It's like this, it's either you're loving God and loving others or you're loving yourself. It's, it's one or the two. But you can never get to loving others by loving yourself. Can't get there. We pray to adore God. That's, that's part of that renewing your mind because when we, we know who God is, we're, oh, how great is our God? There's some songs about that, right? How great is our God to praise Him, to express our wonder at His majesty, His sovereignty, His mighty act. Instead, you, you want to know what liberals do? Liberals do this. Oh, that's what God did? Watch me, I can do that. Look what they did. You say, well, yeah, I get that, and that's just kind of science thing and whatever. No, no, that was way back in Egypt. Pfft, that ain't nothing. Our guys can do that. Our guys can do that. Our guys can get the frogs. Our guys can do the locusts. Our guys can do the blood. Our guys, our guys can't kill people like that. Okay, I've done. I give. You see, here's the reality of that whole thing. We better recognize God early because it's going to get worse. But we won't see Him unless we know what to look for. We adore Him, we praise Him, we express His awesome majesty, His sovereignty, His mighty acts. We pray to confess our sins to our Lord and Savior. Amen. We pray to experience grace and mercy and forgiveness at His hand. We pray to thank Him for all that He is and all that He has done. We pray to make our supplication known to Him to fulfill the invitation He has left us. Listen, I think the last is, that last point is so, so rich. When you have children, is, you know, they, they turn 18 and 19 and 20, and it's like they know so much more than you do, parents. They've got it figured out. Five, they are adults now. Now, is there a sense where parents need to let their kids become adults? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think, I don't know of a young, any young person that didn't leave the house with that, got this. That first call, hey dad, I, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> that first call, how many understand it, what I'm talking about? I need help. I guess I don't know all that I thought I know. I guess I, this isn't right. That, that's what's being said. Listen, we do that on a human level, do we not? We have a greater Father than our human Father. And He is gloried in us coming to Him and saying, Lord, I have no idea what I'm doing. I am so undone. Oh, imagine that. Someone actually did say that. I am a man of unclean lips. Remember him? I dwell amongst people of unclean. Help me. I can't do this. And what happened? Was Isaiah one of the greatest prophets that ever lived? Amen. God used him mightily because he recognized his puny humanity compared to the sovereign deity of God. And the chasm is so great. We just need to rely on him. Where's our hope? Man, I could just bite into a Twix. Where's our hope? Man, if the Vikings just win. 
where's our hope? If our government would just become a certain party. That is the most ridiculous statement there is. The government is not the answer. Our only hope is in the Lord. It's our only hope. Therefore, commune with Him. Genuine love. If you truly are renewed in your mind, you possess genuine love of Christ, and that genuine love of Christ yearns to have communion with God the Father. Amen? I can't do without it. Listen, a Christian should never tell another Christian, you pray too much. How ridiculous of a statement is that? I will tell you this, there's not a Christian alive who hasn't, who has prayed enough. Let me ask you, Does your true Christianity, is it revealing itself in that your knees are bloodshot and calloused because you're on the knees in communion with the Lord? They need to be. I'm telling you, I'm not telling you anything new. You ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to get worse. If I said that two years ago, before COVID, whatever, we're doing great. In one day, in one day, the church was on its knees. It was. God got the attention of the world by something you can't even see with your eye. Man, is He powerful. Man, is he great. Man, he's my dad. I need to go to him all the time. Certainly much more than I am. Amen? Mr. Pierce, would you come and close us with a prayer, please? Would you stand, please, as we close in prayer? You know, all I can say is, wow, you know, what a, what a message on prayer. Father, you are our Heavenly Father. And we do come before you humbly, Lord, thanking you for loving us, for meeting our needs above and beyond what we deserve. Lord, to, to look at each part of what Pastor said this morning, how we fail you, we ask amiss, we we don't know you. Lord, may we come to know you and love you more each day by studying your word and coming to you in prayer. How how shame I am, Lord, that we don't pray like we should pray. But Lord, I thank you that you're a loving God and that you are a patient God. May we come to love you more each day. May we come to you in prayer. May our hearts be in tune to you, Lord, that would bring glory to your name. We thank you for our pastor, Lord. We thank you for the truth of your word. We would ask, Lord, that it continually given. Lord, that we would bring glory to your name, that we would be a witness for you, that we would not be ashamed of the cross, what happened on the cross, that the blood was shed and the body was given, that our sins would be forgiven. We thank you for that, Lord. We'd ask, Lord, this week, that we would be, draw closer to you, that we would love you more, that we would pray more, Lord, there was so much that was given in this that we would meditate upon your word that 
Lord, that we would draw closer to you. It was, it was good to hear all these things again, Lord, and to realize how, how we sometimes draw away from you and not closer, but how we can come closer, how we can draw near to you by prayer. So our prayer, Lord, is that we would love you more and more and that your great love would be in us. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.